0: Hey Jeff. Hey Eric, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Jeff,
1: this is the first podcast that we have done in our brand new apartments. It's crazy how quickly this has like come together, right? Like last week we were doing the intro and we were just like, what are what are we gonna do? Like are we gonna be homeless? Like what do we need Ron Funches as a guarantor? Like <laughs> that was that was just a week ago. And by the way, there were so many people who said, Hey, if you
0: want us to house you guys in the meantime we will, we will give our apartment to you. And that was super nice.
1: Yeah. Also, super short-sighted of everybody. Why? Like, inviting us over to invite people with, like, their entourages to their... Like, nobody wants that. Well, I mean, some people do want we that. We barely want
0: that, and we signed up for this. <laughs> but, but we found a place. It is on the Upper West Side, mere blocks from where we lived. It's actually miraculous because, like I said, we had looked at places that were weird, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, it's 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 not necessarily just going to be close to you or not necessarily
1: just going to be like great for the podcast. There's all these little things that just didn't work and wouldn't work. Well, sort of like Airbnb where it's just like every place has something weird about it. And, you know, by the grace of whatever God we pray to, Jeff, <laughs>
0: we have found a spot that uh, for the very, 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 very most part, is perfect is perfect so we've almost emptied everything from our old apartment and isn't that the craziest thing you think you live in a small space and it turns out there are a million things that occupy that apartment yeah who knew i not me and not you because we've made so many trips back there and we're still not done all right but let's talk about the things that work about this apartment and things that don't work about this apartment. i mean the ceilings are humongous it's totally renovated it all of our stuff fits. There's a giant kitchen. The bedrooms are great. The, the bathrooms are dope. The, the kitchen is full. The like, neighbors are nice. The doormen are nice. The location is great. Okay, now let's talk about the things that
1: don't work. Um, Literally, the heat doesn't work. <laughs> so it's negative whatever outside. And it's also the same thing inside. Yeah, that's that's been an issue. Um, hot water. Yeah, hot water. In the showers. Yep. That's been an issue. So
0: that's getting fixed tomorrow. So... It's, it's, it's like it's like we're fancy and have two apartments, so I shower at the old apartment, <laughs> but it's not realistic. No. And also that runs up at the end of the month. So Oh, also the Wi-Fi, but that's the, a different thing. The Wi-Fi has been the biggest issue, but if people want to hear us complain, they can listen to any episode of Waste Time with It's <laughs> The Real by checking our archives. Guys, we recorded this episode with Hitmaker, aka Youngberg, at the old spot. It was the last thing that we did before we boxed everything up and started our move. And boy, is this a great story.
1: You sound like Joe Budden every time you say
0: boy. 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 Do I really? Yeah. Every I time I don't you, hear it. I don't hear it. Yeah. But this is Joe Budden's friend, Hitmaker, the most in-demand producer of last year. I mean, he had things charting every week, every day, all year long. He's worked with all of your favorites. And there's some of you out there who probably didn't know that this chart-topping producer... Was the same guy who was rapping Sexy Can I and Sexy Lady. And anything with the word sexy in it. (laughs) And we got to the bottom of that. We found out his incredible journey from Chicago where he grew up in a different way than you thought. And how in his early teens, he left that situation and found himself signed to DMX and then not signed to DMX and working with Eve and then... Working with Shauna and then not working with Shauna and making his way out to New York to to start this career on his own. I mean, and then it becomes just this whole other thing. I mean, like, it's a crazy story. It's one of one. I know a lot of people have been looking forward to this episode, especially our friend Rory over at the Joe Budden podcast, who was like, the stories that he's going to tell. And guess what? Boy, has Rory been (laughs) looking forward
1: to this episode.
0: He was right. This is a dope, 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 dope episode. Shout-out to Hitmaker, shout-out to Rory for making it happen, shout-out to Tiffany J, and uh, and shout-out to you guys for rocking with us. Jeff, do you have three episodes that you want to recommend? Oh, you are putting me on the spot. <laughs> before we get into this podcast. I thought we left this at the old apartment. We did not. We did not. All right, hold on. So in the meantime, I, I would like to say now is the time for you guys to go to itsthereal.com and sign up for our new email newsletter because... We are going to give you guys updates on everything that's going on with us whether that's touring, whether that's new merch, whether that's just hangouts that we're going to put together, whether that's surprises that you may not expect or I guess the definition of a surprise is that you don't expect it. So sign up for that newsletter, it's com. We have something to announce just to you guys who are signed up on that email. Right now, so make sure you go and sign up for that newsletter. All right, you can, stop, it's the real. You can stop stretching right now. All right, okay, all right. here we go. Yes,
1: uh, number one thirty three. Mall of the Joe Budden podcast.
0: Boy, <laughs> go check out that mall episode. It's uh, it's Bigs brother. It's Hip Hop's brother. But Mall has carved out his own lane, Harlem own. Even Joe Budden didn't know what Mall had been up to. So go check that out. Episode number. 133. Also number 136 with Chuck English. Great episode. I remember we recorded that episode um, back at the old place. Mm-hmm. Isn't it Just hard to think that like we lived somewhere before we lived at this place? For 11 and a half years. Crazy. But shout out to Chuck English, one of our longtime friends. We actually met him for the first time via Kaz mm-hmm. up at SUNY Purchase when uh, the cool kids were performing at this festival at SUNY Purchase along with someone named Drake. So, shout out to Chuck English, who has an incredible story as a producer, as a rapper, as just a dope dude from Chicago, from Detroit, now from LA. Chuck English.
1: Also, number 198, Jamel Hill.
0: Jamel Hill, formerly from ESPN, now has her own podcast on Spotify, which is a big, big deal. She has. Boy, is that a big deal. She, she has uh, been very active on Twitter, always with uh, facts and jokes which you can do both by the way who knew shout out to jamel hill who who gave us her all on that episode she is such a fantastic personality a a terrific human and uh and our mom liked that episode so shout out to jamel and shout out to our mom jeff when do you want to get into this episode
1: right now yo what up it's eric aka silly posture aka the finesse king yo what up it's jeff aka deep in her buns aka (laughs) chick-fil-a (laughs)
2: Hitmaker.
0: <laughs> yes, your third favorite podcast to waste the time with This is the Real. <laughs> Hitmaker, Yo, what's happening?
2: Man, I'm here. I'm happy. I'm excited to be here. No. It's one of my
0: favorite podcasts. We are thrilled to have you here. This is, as we were telling you off mic, this is not
1: the first time we've crossed paths. There's two that, that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, You want to go with the first one? Yes. Okay. Please. So we met in passing like a year ago, I think, mm-hmm. a year and a half ago. You were doing Escape the Room with Joe Budden.
2: Oh wow, we were wasted. That <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's why I don't remember. <laughs> Wait, did
1: you escape the room?
2: Absolutely not. Okay. We were wasted. <laughs> <laughs> yo, I don't know what. Yo, let me tell you a funny story about that. So I was here and I was working, and like Joe Budden hated me. Like I, we never were cool. What? Like we just established our little f- cool friendship probably like around that time when I cross paths with y'all guys and it didn't I don't remember but um we took no part in that by the way Yeah, you know, <laughs> Joe is actually I remember in like more humbling days for me like I sent a record to Joe and I was like yo jump on this for my shit and then he was like it's cool but I ain't gonna do it damn, then, <laughs> damn. but I mean me and Joe became like the best of friends man like he's like he secretly, if I'm vice president of A and R, he's my AR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I send Joe everything or whatever. And then us passing a funny story about that is that what I remember is that I flew a girl out here first class. You know how you get money and you like, man, like I wanna treat a chick a certain way. I flew her out first class, had her in a room with me. I didn't she didn't let me smash. So she, she then, escaped the room. Hell, <laughs> She turned out. No, no, no R. Kelly vibes. No, yeah. no. We not doing none of that. Hell no. Sorry, so, she walked out on her yes, own volition. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Shout out to Chicago. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, um, then the girl knew Joe. A p- the one and <laughs> a p- Wait, was she Dominican? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Puerto Rican and Dominican. The girl ended up knowing Joe. And like, I'll never forget just being there. Like, and me and Joe laugh about this the day, because like like I had jury on, and she's like, "You're so extra, you're this, that, that, that. and then like I, I flew her home, and she never gave me no box. Shout Damn. out to her. I don't, oh, Natalie, shout out to you. Oh, oh, yeah. she gets
0: okay, first name basis. Yeah. So the other <laughs> the other time that we met, when we when we really formally met, was in 2007. Oh wow. On the set of
2: Sexy Lady Remix. Oh wow, with Jim Jones and Jim Rich Jones Boy. and
0: Rich Boy
1: and uh, a lot of green screens. A lot of green screens.
2: We were there, we were- Rage is a horrible video director (laughs) too. Shout out to Rage, I love you. I ain't shitting on your craft or whatever, but like looking back to spend $100,000 for that is unreal. Uh, Whoa,
1: wait, that was Mm -hmm. $100,000? For what?
2: (laughs) You tell me. (laughs) How many Natalie's did you fly out? (laughs) Yeah. But it's kind of like, when you young, like a lot of people don't know, like I'm 31 years old now. So if we look back 2007, I was 20 years old. Yeah. So you're not really in control of your whole career. You don't no. know what's going on. You don't know. But anything you think that's you know everything, right? Of course.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go back to the the very very beginning.
2: Mm-hmm. Where are you originally from? I'm from Chicago. What part of Chicago? South side of Chicago. Yeah.
1: Wait. By the way, your Wikipedia says Miami.
2: <laughs> my Wikipedia says some <laughs> ill shit. Like I think it's somebody that hates me at my Wikipedia that's just was going. It, in was on it, my was it Joe Button? <laughs> yeah, Joe. 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 Change my wiki <laughs> ASAP, bro. <laughs> So what was growing up in Southside Chicago like? Um, My lifestyle is different because like I more resonate with y'all more than anything. Like, I grew up and um, I don't feel bad about saying this, but my parents created a nice life for me. Like, so I don't remember any heart. I grew up a millionaire. Like my par- I've never ate a hamburger, a hot dog, a peanut butter and jelly. I've never had like anything between two pieces of bread in my life. I don't know what Subway feel like. Quiznos, Chipotle. I don't even eat like I was just brought up a different way. I could have been a kid that was sixteen with a Range Rover and a learner's permit.
1: Well, wait, what did your parents do?
2: My parents, well, my dad at that time was the director of Chicago Public Schools, and he owned, like, mad property and things like that. And my mom at that point had the biggest childcare daycare center in the whole state of Illinois. Wow. Yeah, so I I was, like, in the suburbs, like... Rich.
0: yeah yeah so what was what was that like you were going to public school
2: yeah i was going to public school but at the same time um i don't know if you guys well of course you know shauna that was with disturbing a Peace that yeah. was in a group called infamous syndicate at the time and her father was buddy guy yeah they lived like two doors down from me so like my friends, well, my big brothers, That she's older than me, of course. My big brothers became my friends. And, like, I was just surrounded by music, like, from the jump. Like, because they had the studio in the house. Shout out to Mike, her brother. And, like, they were just creating. They were already had a record deal when I was just, like, I, I remember smoking my first blunt. Like, this is so ghetto. Oh, my God. <laughs> we got in the car. It was, like, on Christmas Eve. And, like, we were rich. But, like, we were still, like, that's the story of my life. Rich but still living by, like, Random and thuggish means Like I got in a car And my brother at the time Drove Shauna To a weed spot In Chicago Heights And they stole the weed From a guy And made me lay down Like the weed guy Put the, the shit in the car And they drove off Skirt <laughs> off That was my And then from there I smoked my first blunt With Shauna And my brother That's legendary <laughs> Was it good weed? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Just sticks? Terrible, yo. It wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth the payback on the street level or the crime of what you're doing stealing from somebody. So you started rapping it at what age? Um, probably like 13, 12, 13. And then I got my first official record deal at like 14, 15. Right. So what are you rapping about at 12? shooting people, killing people, mm-hmm. dying. Just selling, selling yeah, 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 selling millions Live of bricks. Live what you saying, I'm yeah, Pablo yeah. Escobar yeah. Jr. <laughs> like because at that point what we we got to realize is that this is um the DMX era. This is this is prior to all that. So at this point, like all this turn up shit, this mumble shit or whatever the fuck is going, Auto-Tune didn't even exist at yeah. that point. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't know. We going to get that in further. I'm the after T Pain did it, I'm the first person to use Auto Tune and sing a whole song and put it out. And I, so I yeah, mean, it, it was it was the it was the trap era, like not not trap like that. They know it, but like the real like how Lior says, like cut me and I bleed. <laughs> it, was, like, it's, it was one of them type of eras. Where are you recording at that time? Mm, man, damn. So let's. I I started making my demos and, um, in Chicago I forget the name Studio Chicago and like I would have like my my dad pay for studio time and, and whatever and I started making records and then from there I ended up meeting a group of guys called LEP yo yep
0: Bogus Boys we met those guys <laughs> in Chicago yep. and we met them when they were just like you know internet sort of like popping and mm-hmm. not nah, right love them and all, all those blogs mm-hmm. you know you're way before that mm-hmm. so what type of guys did
2: you meet? Oh, I met them way before that. Yeah, <laughs> um, without incriminating anybody. Um, they're they're the real deal. Yeah, yeah. So when I met them, we um they had a, a, a apartment on 70th and Halsted, and um it was like a, a makeshift studio because the uh, the owner of the building, who was the CEO of the company at the time, built the studio in the lower part of the building, and um. I met a guy that changed my life. His name is Bugs. Shout out to Bugs, man. He's still with Kanye West right now, like, and we started creating records. And like, it, he just took me from zero to six hundred and so quickly. Like, I remember, like, my demo had the Jesus Walks beat on it. Like, I rapped over it. Like, uh, Bugs and Kanye were like, still are. So, like, imagine he had every. Go getters, Beat, or all this other stuff, or whatever. Like, and all my songs were just like my whole demo. Well you remember the Talib Kwali record that Kanye produced back in that was, uh, Wanna Be Good to You? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that of was course. on my yeah. demo. Like, all these different records was on my demo. And Do you like, still have those? Books probably has them. Damn. I don't have them. Yeah, you know? I wish I did. Damn. So, so you rapped on how many songs in your demo? Probably like 10. And then, um, we were like a group. We were, um, I was Iceberg Mm -hmm. at the time and um, from there we went and we did the whole like, you know, when you dealing with street guys they got money, they take you everywhere. They took us to New York and um, I remember um, my first deal offer was from Tommy Boy Records. Wow. And um, they offered me my first deal. My dad actually just sent the the, the fucking uh, contract to me randomly or whatever (laughs) like recently and um, that was like my first kick in the game. And um, Do you remember the A&R who you sat with? I really don't because I wasn't in control of nothing. I think as them being street dudes, they had another grimy cat that just had industry connects that they were paying to yeah. go sit with low-level A&Rs yeah. to act like yeah, they're yeah. going to get a deal. Yeah. And it, my shit happened to spring off and get to the next level type. Because you
1: never would have like fit with
2: Tommy Boy. Like your your music not. was not <laughs> like that. I don't know. I was different though. I was shooting a club. I was yeah, shooting so everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. was a, I was a gangster rapper. Wait, so, what
1: did your parents think about your
2: music? Mm-hmm. Parents hated it. So for me to actually get to that point, um my mom and dad never wanted me to do music. Um once I started doing music my dad started supporting me my mom hated that i did music because of the content of course and the the lifestyle that it brought and that forced me to run away and move away from my mom like i just ran away like fuck it like i'm out and i went and lived with lep and they became like my dad like you you left your parents at 13 14 yeah i left my parents at 13 years old are you still going to school no i dropped out of school at ninth grade I never made it past going freshman year. So how long did that sort of, like, standoff between you and your parents last? A, a long time because what y'all got to realize is that um, my parents shipped me to, like, some, like, if you Google, like, Thompson Falls, Montana, like, military schools, there's, like, movies written about these these people. Like, they, they signed, my mom signed all her parental rights away from me and um, made me a product of and paid of the state and just put me in this, like, child, like delinquent program to where like if you don't do right there they send you to Mexico um to Jamaica for high impact and like there's no child safety laws in Jamaica so they beat you the fuck up they make you walk 100 um miles with a with a 10 pound brick on your back and that's how you get back to Montana
0: What? <laughs> Holy shits.
2: <laughs> no, no. No. And, and my mom was paying $5,000 a month for me to be at this function to to not be home. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, who were the other kids?
2: I guess Rich terrible children
1: yeah such as myself yeah holy shit yeah
0: you didn't so you didn't last very long there no nah, not at
2: all and I'm, yeah it was a so so when did you actually sign your first deal my first record deal was with dmx bloodline records um i was 15 years old i forget what gear that is that's so throwback i'm so sketchy right so, now. so so how does it get to dmx though oh shit okay so damn This is this gonna be a long podcast. Yeah, let's go. So, um, from giving you live here now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from from dealing with LEP, they took us on a run. They took us around the whole little things, and I remember, damn, yeah, this before me meeting Jay. Hold on, let me talk about DMX. So first, this this guy Joe Exclusive was a stylist that they knew. And he introduced me to Eve first, I believe. So I came here I was in Quad Studios and they had us on the whole run. And um I met Eve and like it was just a vibe. Then fast forward, I was actually at what these bitches want from a nigga video shoot. And it's the first time I met DMX. So they took us there, we were in LA and um I I go like the same guy, Joe exclusive, was DMX's stylist and Eve Stylus. So he introduced us to DMX. So the whole LEP was like, we were called infrared at the time. Yeah. It wasn't LEP bogus boys. We were called infrared. Yeah. So like, you know, like showcase, they had five artists and I was the youngest artist of the bunch. So I went in and I did my little one, two for DMX. I'll never forget it. We were in this trailer. We were at the Paramount lot on, um, in LA on Santa Monica. And, um, like I rap for him, I'm like and y'all I'm real? naughty. the hollow tips of him are still forty. I kill forty label. I like some fast twisted shit because I'm from Chicago yeah. and like that. He's like, Shorty, <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand one motherfucking word you said. <laughs> like, and, and mind you, like this nigga's getting like a head massage. He's yeah. getting a manicure. A bitch is rubbing his feet. Another one's massaging him. He's got like, for, like he's DMX at the prime of DMX Yo. vibes. So. um I spit another rap for him, and he was like, "I love him," and he was like, "Yo, um, come back tomorrow." I'm like, "I right, bet." So now I'm just on a video shoot. Shout out to um, damn, rest in peace, Aaliyah. She the reason I got, I got Leah tied on me. Y'all, like I seen all these people drag on, man. Whatever, drag on, yeah. man. I, so they're all there, and um, I come back the next day. I leave my demo, the same demo that I told you that all those beasts was on, and like I pull up to the fucking video, and like. DMX is blasting my shit out his trailer like my demo is going crazy out the trailer and Kevin Laws is there and like um I'm sitting out there and like mind you like I was like a bad kid like I was probably halfway drunk when I got there I was smoking weed like I was like 14 years old smoking a blunt and Kevin Laws like you about to be big man you and I'm like you like you ready for your life to change I'm like um, whatever, fuck out of here. <laughs> you know, just being from, a, from that, that, that type of cloth that was around me, because I'm not a street dude, but I, when you be around so many street people, it's just like, man, fuck that shit. So I go back in the trailer, X is blasting my shit, and he like, Ew shorty, <laughs> I'm going to sign you. I'm going to sign you, man. Uh, It's not going to be fast. It's not going to be quick as you think it, but I'm going to sign you. And I was like, whoa, holy shit. So, um... Of course, he wanted to sign me. He didn't want to sign Infrared. Yeah. He didn't want to sign none of the acts that was on there. And that created tor- turmoil between the CEO of the company at the time because he like, oh, you trying to take our little jewel, I the bet, little young yeah. dude away. Bet. And not only that, he was like, we about to finish the video and go to Mary J. Blige's concert, oh, so 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 stay with me. I'm like, holy shit. So I... <laughs> Shout out to Ali, who was his assistant at the time. Ali Sammy, who who worked with Nori, who worked with all these different people. He was an assistant at the time. And, like, he was like, I remember Ali, like, just giving me weed and, like, you know what I'm saying? We get in the car. This nigga DMX, yo. (laughs) Do not ride in a car with DMX ever. Oh, my God. This is the craziest shit. We leave the fucking video shoot. I'm in the back seat, Ali's next to me, Method Man is in a passenger seat with his feet on a dashboard, and DMX <laughs> is driving. So, imagine DMX swerving through 405 <laughs> traffic, nigga, and, and just going the crazy, and it was just a, it was a wild, it was a wild night. I mean, yeah. you knew what you signed up for. Hey, I was with all yeah, of it, 100% yeah, 100%. You DMX were like, yo, Mary God. J. Blige concert? Yes. <laughs> DMX could have told me anything, and I was going to do it. Yo, you're 15. hmm Yeah. Like, like... People's dreams don't come true at that age. I think it was because my parents was rich that like I went against the grain because like I wanted to have my own shit. Like I think I had a chip on my shoulder from the beginning, like, but y'all got don't matter to me. Like I'm gonna go get my own and music became my passion and like it it just I wasn't letting nobody tell me no. So, so did
1: any part of you feel like Malibu's most wanted? A little bit.
2: <laughs> did did you did you immediately go into the studio? Mm, with DMX? Yeah. Nah, see it get a little more trippy from there. So after that, now DMX has an offer on me. Tommy Boy has an offer on me. So fast forward, this is like the year when um Kobe, Kobe and Shaq won the, the finals. Like I think it's like their third three three-peat or something it's in that era. I go to I go back to New York. And you know how Def Jam used to be. Rockefeller was on all the floors or whatever. So, I do a showcase with Jay, and um, Hove has interest in me now. How nervous are you? It happened differently though. Let me let me wind back. We were in the so the the championship happened. We were in the club in Los Angeles at, at after the fact with Infrared because they had me everywhere just trying to like show me off and like doing what they were supposed to do with that artist. I think I remember they paid like $600 to get me in a club. This is the, like, <laughs> and like we're in a club called Luna Park that doesn't exist in LA anymore. Because they let in a bunch of 15 year olds. I don't know how they finessed it. God bless them. And like Jay-Z's in there. Everybody. Dr. Dre is in there. Everybody. So like, I'll never forget this shit. We le- We're leaving out the club because the whole club is following Kobe and Jay-Z out of the club. So like it's Dame, Kobe, Jay-Z, they're walking out of a club and like the club is following behind. And my same producer, Books, like Jay-Z's on the bottom floor, and I'm on the top floor or whatever, like of the stairs. And Jay and Books is like, Hey yo, Jay. <laughs> and it's like the whole club stopped. And he was like, You ain't heard shit till you hear my shorty rap. And Jay was like, I'm saying, I ain't heard nothing cut through. I'm rapping for Jay-Z, you know what I'm saying? Right there in the middle of the front of the club. He's like, yeah, I kind of like, I fuck with you, you know what I'm saying? Then I break into an all battle rap with Exhibit and all these other different people and Dame Dash is watching. Jay-Z Then already left. And that's what sprung us to go have a meeting with Jay for me to have that meeting. And then Jay put it offer on me. And um, DMX was very adamant about not allowing me <laughs> to sign <laughs> Jay to, to Rockefeller. <laughs> he was very adamant. And and so you did. You
0: signed, you signed to
2: Bloodline. Yeah, I, I'm gonna tell the real story. So look, this is for my my testimony and my story is for all upcoming writers, producers, artists, or whatever that's been through these situations. And a lot of people they PC and they I don't just don't give a fuck. So after all these offers, we went back and like I told y'all, I didn't live with my house, my parents. I pretty much lived inside of the studio. And um, when you're dealing with a CEO, my CEO became like Suge Knightish
0: so you do link up with dmx yes you do sign with him yes and what is it like being under his his
2: wing terrible oh <laughs> but shout out to x I yeah mean, he didn't treat me like i thought the dmx was gonna treat me like it was cool like i got a deal and um i i, I got i got my crib man i lived in edgewater new jersey i was mm-hmm. able to bring everybody out and i remember um we went to the studio Well, before i before i moved to Edgewater. Damn i I hate to put people. So I live with one of his peoples
1: mm-hmm.
2: in a roach infested house. I'm talking about like he just put me with somebody in the middle of nowhere. The house was just infested with roaches. So like I went and You're back. the prize like jewel. Yes. Yeah.
1: So you're just like, what am I? Like, in what, a what roach is this? motel. So, <laughs> so like
2: from there I end up getting my crib in Edgewater and like it was cool. Like, but you gotta understand that um I think DMX was gifted that label deal off the strength of being just a super talented artist and yep. just very gifted, and it wasn't because he was able to groom a star or pop the next artist off. It no, he was you're just, just putting the name on you. No, it was strictly like uh, Lior, like uh, I want to, I want a label, I want a label deal, yeah. and then like and then you just sold ten million. Here, give him whatever he wants. Right, it was yeah. that type of vibe, yeah. and then we became the offspring of that. And I mean, X X treated me. He treated me cool, Mike. It, it was it was cool. It was a good time.
0: A lot of big artists are not necessarily good at being CEOs. You right. know, they're not good at being tutors, they're not good at running a company. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen a lot where you find like someone, you know, who's a great CEO and can like put other people on. Right. So you are suffering in that sort of system. How do you see like the light at the end of the tunnel and think like I'm not stuck here for the rest of my
2: life? Damn. So we started that, and I remember, like, DMX was a wild guy at that time. Damn, I'm finna get y'all the real stories. So, Nori, I'm sorry. <laughs> Anybody, any other person I know with a podcast, I'm sorry, because I might so not do another. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, so, like, we would be out, and um, I remember he was doing the um, – the movie what is the movie he, we shot it in Toronto he had it was like with um Steven Seagal yep oh yeah it was I forget the name of the movie um I had a record on a soundtrack he put me on a soundtrack to it and like that was my only real experience with Bloodline Records or whatever and me and him are actually on a song it's called Dog for Life it's on YouTube right now and like wow. I'm like yo
0: good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like 12 nigga like singing with DM rapping with DMX so um from there I mean one of the craziest stories I got about X, we was in Toronto. Shout out to his wife, to Shira, shout out to his then wife, everybody. So we're in the studio, he's making a song called Do You that was on the Funk Master Flex 60 Minutes of Funk album and whatever it was called, and Irv Gotti was the producer of the record. This is the craziest shit I've ever seen. The man left his weed at the studio, but he was so big at the time that actual police went and got his weed for him and <laughs> brought it to the studio. It brought him two pounds of weed from the studio. What? Listen, the man, I don't know if he, like, I watched the man drink two-fifths of Remy Grand Cru by himself in one studio session. He did the song. We go outside. It was just us. So it was me, him, his wife at the time. Ali and like You know his security or whatever But I was riding in the car with him Like I rode with him from the hotel And um They left the keys inside the car, Um the, the studio So like I ain't never seen no shit like this in my life The man lay down on the ground Curled up And cried like a dog Like mm, 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 And fell asleep Like was stupid Like sleep by the car While they went and got a key Cause I'm assuming like He was wasted You know what I'm saying And he was like Um And and shit, they were like, don't nobody touch the dog when he sleep. Like, that's a rule. Like, don't nobody fuck with the dog while he sleep. What are the other rules? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) probably so many out there that you remember. But, like, he he cried like a dog, like a pit bull puppy, and laid on the ground by 600 bands. And we sat there and just waited until he woke
1: up. How do
2: you know that this is not the norm? How do you know that,
0: like, you're like, all right, I'm in a business... I have no. to act a certain way.
2: See, but this is a different thing about the times that's going on right now. Like, right now, you don't believe shit that nobody was doing. It was the authenticity was key at that point. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do nothing. And if you weren't authentic, then it was like, <laughs> you ain't shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I felt like that nigga been a dog my whole career looking up to him. So He was just doing dog-like shit. Like, <laughs> it was like, whatever. Yeah. I was a kid, like damn i guess he really is a dog
0: but but it didn't like spur you on to like drink like him or
2: or smoke like him or i was already doing like him i was already doing all that shit did you have an attitude back then you think yeah i was little dmx (laughs) like there was no way around it like i was literally little dmx
1: but you had no thoughts like at that point where you were just like i'm putting my career in this guy's hands and he's over there like not doing well
2: you gotta understand that's like drake right now like you know what i'm saying he was the equivalent of what drake is right now yeah. for this era yeah so like shit
0: two number one albums in
2: one year come yeah. on like he, he's the midas and touch. movies and yeah. Yeah. everything if i was the old if come on that's like saying it's boy wonder concerned about right being in the hands of drake. like hell no you get a, a half an inch close to drake you gonna for sure get a hit yeah it is what it is. So
0: what What did you do back then to take advantage of the opportunity that you had? Like, were you just like, yo, I'm going to go to this club and,
2: like, you know, Iceberg from Bloodline Records yeah. is going to get me this? Nope, because I was still a kid. I couldn't go in no clubs yeah. by myself. I couldn't do anything. All I could do is run around and, like, I remember the day... Um, we went to the studio. He was recording something with Foxy Brown, I believe. And like his dog, Bo- Boomer, or whatever, the one that's tattooing up, he had just had puppies. And um <clears throat> gave me one of the puppies, gave me one of his dogs that was off the litter. And he was like, You better have a dog every time I fucking see you. I don't wanna ever see you without the dog. I'm like, okay <laughs> that's the second so, rule <laughs> yeah. mind you this in the days when he had his office at Bloodline so I would go to the Bloodline office shout out to Mike Kaiser who was Def Jam shout out to Jazz Young back in the day that was around Leo, all them different people so like Jazz Young was like my mom cause she was like DMX's close person in Def Jam she's equivalent to me like how Lon Ray is it to me in my grown life. Yeah. Like Jessica. Ray was like, like yeah. Yeah, she was like that to me then. And um like I remember I would bring a dog everywhere because you used to go to Def Jam office to kick it. Murder Inc. was right in the hall, everybody smoking blunts, run it was a fucking mat it was it was a chill spot. Yeah. So I remember like my dog just being with me twenty four seven. I never left the dog. He was shit like in front of Leo's office, take a piss or whatever, and it would be nothing. They clean that <laughs> shit up and keep moving because I was DMX's young artist. I was iceberg.
0: Damn. Yeah.
2: So what what is the end of, of your time at Bloodline like? So damn, that remember that that whole kind of like shipping me to... Montana type thing That's when that happened Like we skipped it Like I went to the school After the Bloodline records I was signed I was an artist And um My mom decided that She wanted to sign Her parental rights Away from me And put me in this like Child concentration camp That I explained earlier And that was while I was signed to DMX And that's how I lost my deal Holy shit Yeah like I was cut off From the world You couldn't Talk to anybody You couldn't watch TV Do anything Read the newspaper Nothing I didn't even know 9-11 happened
1: Holy what? shit! Nah.
2: Wait. Uh, what was it like when you did find out it happened? I remember I got out of that military school because my dad decided that it, he had had enough, and he came and got me, and he felt like that me doing music wasn't nothing that was detrimental for I should not be around, and um, I just found out everything at once. Like I didn't, I didn't really know. And but let me bring it back because I always get my mom flack, and I feel like you know, like. Any story in the story that I tell, like it makes it seem like she's a bad person. Like a lot of people that was in that infrared crew that I was around, like they lost their lives. Like I was around people that were not the best people. So people died. So I don't never want to throw her on the bus because maybe it saved my life. Me going to this thing. It was a horrible thing for me. But yeah, maybe but it saved my life.
1: How long did it take you to to get to that <clears throat> other side and like, you know, reconcile with your mom? I still haven't.
2: No lie. I don't mm-hmm. even talk to my mom. Really, I ain't even spoke to my mom physically on the phone in years. I don't even can't tell you because of
1: this or because of just, just everything.
2: Just just life, man. Because I mean, it's all one big thing. Yeah, leading yeah. up to this. So, there's, has she tried to reach out to you? Um, yeah, of course. And that's just
0: a, a we mind. talk. We we
2: just text. Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't talk. I I can't even tell you. Last time I heard my mom voice.
0: Uh, did you get your GED or anything? Or no, hell no.
2: you're not a high school graduate. No.
0: You've you've seen. The world through DMX's eyes, mm-hmm. you know. You've experienced certain things.
2: What are your skills then, and is music the only option that you see? It's the only option. So at that point, coming out the the boot camp thing and like losing my record deal with DMX, like I just had to regroup and try and figure it out. And um, who do you rely on? Mm, I don't know. I just went to the studio. I started like no ID. People like that in Chicago, getting beats, being around the right people. I just went to the studio and I started working. Excuse me. And um, from there, I ended up back in L.A. off the strength of uh, Troy Carter. Shout out to Troy Carter. Troy Carter was my manager. For a little time, he was our manager, too. (laughs) So (laughs) Troy Carter brought me back to L.A. And I remember like being at the Westwood W and seeing DMX after I lost my deal, and he's like, "Your parents <laughs> fucked everything up, Shorty." And pulled off, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, "Oh shit!" So yeah, Troy Carter. I came back on the out to L.A. on the heels of Troy Carter with him and his success that he was having with Eve, and yeah. that's around the time that they started their TV show, and, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what brought me back to L.A. And I would be around, and I was just tr- just trying to figure it out. I always had talent. I remember the first thing, yo, I never forget this shit, y'all. Dog. <laughs> B2K had broke up, right? And you remember like then they first broke up. They was trying to replace members in a group or whatever. And this, that that was my first thing. Troy thought I would be a good member of B2K. You could have been a, a Raspbi? Yes. No. Yeah. Pause. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> yes. look. No cap though. No, no yeah. bullshit. Yeah. So look. This nigga Troy take me um to LA and um we go in Chris Stokes' office looking a little sketchy just off of sitting in the lobby like no no i have no problem with no homosexual people i have no problem with no like i'm just giving you an idea from a child that's 16 years old looking at something so we walk in It's bright red lips on his wall like as his mirror then like his lampshade like the head is the lamp bulb the two arms are out, and the two—it's like shaped like a man. And where you cut the switch on for the light is at a dick. So, what? like, you, you, listen, it's, this is a pond. <laughs> I'm City. just saying, like, aesthetically,
1: it makes no sense to me. Yo, like light bulb. No, no, I understand it. I just don't
2: get it. <laughs> yeah. So we were there, and I was sitting there, and I never forget. Um, Troy, Troy was with me, and we looked you know, like I'm throwing him under the bus or whatever. But uh. We walked into the um, showcase and like it was like, what is the guy name from Immature? um, Little Drummer LDB, Little Drummer Boy, and Chris Stokes were there, and like I performed for Chris Stokes or whatever and did my demo, and then they wanted to put me in B2K, but it never happened. Okay, wait, I have have about (laughs) four thousand questions.
1: Did you? Did you, when you showed up? Did you want to be there? Like, did you want to be a part
2: of B Two K? Like, yeah, you understood yeah, B2K that B Two K was popping. Yeah, at that point, I was trying to get out. You, you imagine. Being in a deal with DMX, losing everything, going to this whole like crazy like concentration camp and then like trying to find your way. Now, granted, you got to understand, Books was my producer. I wasn't a producer at the time, like how right. I'm a producer. I was just a young guy that knew how to rap. So technically, I wasn't making my records. So even when I got with DMX and Boogs wasn't around me, I might not have been able to make a hit record, you know, because I didn't know how to produce anything. I was just somebody rapping. So... At that point, I was grooming myself and trying to figure it out. But it, it seemed like a good end to the music business at that point. When you, but when you, you would
1: have been like the the left eye too. Like you would have, yes, yeah, yeah. Like you would have been like the rapper
2: in the group. I had bigger plans than that, but I should. I was just trying to be like, yeah. I was. You were doing anything to get on? Yeah, I was gonna be Little Fizz replacement. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So so you were, were Youngberg
1: you, though. Were you a good dancer? Iceberg. Still iceberg. Fuck no, I'm still not a good <laughs> I got
2: a two step. I'm not Millie Rocking with nobody. So but it didn't work
0: out. You didn't become no. you know a part of new B two K. No. So what
2: do you do after that? I hang around Troy around that time. He had did his deal with Matthew Knowles and they became sanctuary. It was no longer um Irving Wonder. Right. Which was with him and J Jay Jay yeah, company, yeah. which we were part of. And I remember like I used to sleep at like uh at the studio where Eve's TV show was, and like just do random things. And then randomly, they Troy's end up signing this girl named Morgan Smith to Interscope Records, who was a rapper, and Eve was executive producing her project. So they inserted me into Morgan's project, and I wrote Morgan's whole album, which never came out. And um, she was signing to Interscope because their own things with her mother. Sometimes it's hard working with child stars. And, of course, like, come on, me, I'm bad. I ended up fucking a girl. I ended up being a songwriter. I've been doing what grown people do, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. But we were both kids. Like, yeah. we ended up, like, I was, like, loving a girl. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they never wanted me around. And, like, you could, y'all could, you could go look on YouTube, like, Blow Your Whistle, Morgan Smith. Like, she was on 106 and Park. Her first single came out and all that shit happened. But, um... Jay Irvin is the video is the teacher in the music video Whoa. of her shit. What? <laughs> Yo. Yo. And I wrote her whole album and um and like that's how I started to groom myself and like be the a different guy, like a producer now. Like, cause I was they were setting me up with writing sessions for me to go work with different producers and I was able to watch what they were doing and implement that to my thing. And I just found a knack to make hit records so back then like
0: look you saw success when you were signed to bloodline Mm -hmm. like you saw what like the biggest artist in the world looked like and and you were iceberg Mm -hmm. an artist yourself Mm -hmm. so how do you get it within yourself after you know you got dropped after Mm -hmm. you went to montana the whole thing Mm
2: -hmm.
0: how do you see it inside you to be a ghostwriter and not put your own shit out there
2: i was just doing what my ogs told me get money Troy told me, like, yo, write your, write her, you should write our songs. This girl is going to go. She's got the look. Eve is going to executive produce the project. I want you to write the songs. The same way that I could be as a producer now and say, yo, I want Goldie. I want OG Parker. I want Landstrip Chip. I want them person to do this record. And then, like, I'll sit there. Of course, I, have, I write the record with them. But it's just like the vision of knowing, like, yo, these three people are going to make what this record is necessary for.
1: Well, then, like, did you take it? To heart when the the project
2: didn't go, yeah, it was so much bullshit that went on with that project. I told you I was having sex with the artist, which you never should do. Any upcoming producer, <laughs> songwriter, never have sex with the artist. Well, it's the same with drug dealing. Yeah, yeah, Something yeah. That, that none of us know, but like yeah. you fall in love with people, it gets super personal. But um, I think that the it didn't really hurt me, but what hurt me more is that um, like I wanted money. But and like I remember, Troy gave me a chain. I think the chain was like this is when diamond chains first came out, and it was like fifty thousand chain. And like um, he was like, "Yo, this your present for right now." Ain't give me no money. He was like, gave me a chain. But like I was a young dude, yeah, so, so now you wanted that. Yes, but now looking back well, on it, that sound, <laughs> no, no. That sounds like a bad story to tell. But you have to realize that. In the midst of time, how much money that they invested into me and how much... So it really wasn't all the way bad as it seemed, but it's still fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) So are you recording anything on your own or are you just writing for other people at the time? I'm just writing for her, recording my own stuff. I think at that point, I probably got my first placement as a songwriter. I wrote... Um, evolution i wrote the hook to eve's evolution the title track of her album yeah. i wrote the hook on it like my ad libs is on it and all that other shit and i wrote that that was my first placement as a writer ever so was that you know eve was like i had seen success with dmx and then i seen it with eve, And like what troy and jay were able to do with eve is phenomenal like and what she was able to do is herself like it's almost bugged out to me that like how I was in the studio with Lil' Kim last night and I've never seen Eve and like but I mean she's not even living in the US I think, yeah, I think she's like she's now stars. she's married to like a, a, a billionaire. billionaire Yeah, yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> you won yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so who are you meeting out in LA at that point like anybody your age anybody who you're running around with that's like a close friend at the time
2: hmm. I had like I mean, it was a lot of people in that Morgan Smith video. Like, every B2K member, Mario, Janae Aiko, Adrian, Byline, all these different people are in this video. So, like, it was around that era. Like, yeah. I remember... You were
1: living like a 106 in Park Scream tour. Yeah, listen.
2: <laughs> listen. The fucking... Um, the, no, no disrespect to her. Like, the, the girl, Naturi. Like, I used yeah. to be smashing on her with Tasha yo. from Power, like, way back in the day. Yeah. Like, I used to have, like, a Crossfire, a Chrysler, and I thought I was... <laughs> I thought I was doing something, man. <laughs> I, I, like I, I was in a mix. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. 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 Mm. And
0: when do you, when do you find yourself as an artist?
2: Mm. Damn. How do I get? So from there, I become Shauna. Shauna blows up. Now I, so from there, the, the, me and Troy fall out. Okay, we have our differences. He loses his. Him and Eve stop working. Yep, mm-hmm. the, the whole shit crumbles. For him. And nobody hears comeback. from Troy Carter ever again. <laughs> Until he's <laughs> a billionaire right now. So like fucking it started there. And like Troy, I watched Troy whole shit crumble in front of me. And um, I moved. I had to go back home. Yeah. So as of going back home, I'm still a rapper. I still have these little accomplishments. But Shauna becomes getting some head Shauna. DTP. Be, yeah. Like, yeah. And I become Shauna's hype man. Whoa. Yeah. Is that, that's
0: gotta be incredible by the way you're just like yo we grew up together and now yeah, like it
2: came, it came full circle She it was the really biggest song me. of the moment she, and you're touring everywhere yep she she actually named my album she she used to t- she told me like i'm a reflection of them like look what you made me like everybody was around me that was the name of my album uh, as yeah. youngberg so Shana named it, it was, i became shauna hype man let's not fast yeah. forward no I'm but like,
0: so okay so uh, you could spend time in atlanta then
2: Nah, she was in Chicago. Strictly Chicago. She ain't leave Chicago. She was there, and uh, we would just be in the south suburbs and um, like at her house and just recording. And not this is like red monkey jeans. And this is when I became like, <laughs> this is when I became a drug dealer. Like I started selling crack. I started yeah. selling like super pounds of weed or whatever. And this is the birth of Young Bird
0: in Chicago with
2: Shauna. Mm-hmm. You're seeing success from from that. Standpoint. Not really. What is no? it? Giving me like $100, but I was already, I was, I was bossed up. Like at that point, like when I came home, I started trapping. So like, I, cause you got to remember, like me and my mom are not close. She had the bag at that time. Me and my dad were very close, but at the same, but at the same token, he not really like giving me money like that. So like I had to just go get it and I started trapping and I just, and China, I had more, I had, more money than she was gonna give me at the end of the show. Yeah. So like I was, I was hustling. It just was what it was. I was. It was an opportunity that I'm blessed for. Do you push music to the side then? Nope. I was still a full fledged rapper. And I still was iceberg and I burn and then burn you in, and I turned into Youngberg at that point. But it's, it wasn't. It wasn't to the side. It was just more so less like Shauna. I'm, I'm gonna go run around with Shauna and see how this works out.
0: So were you accepted at home?
2: yeah of course no cause you you left you mean in like oh kids. my house, house? Oh, no, no no I mean like the city like in terms course, of like hell. you left
0: and like you know you weren't rocking with LEP and and their guys anymore I didn't know if like that situation
2: fizzled out for them this is little fizzled out yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in this point they were still trying to get it together they haven't become bogus boys yet hmm so now Shauna is, I don't even know what year this is, but Shauna is the biggest thing in the world. She has a number one right now. 2008 or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven, so maybe? Seven? No, yeah. it's yeah, before yeah. that. Right, because it's like oh, five. No, it's I good. came out as young 2006. Yeah, right. six,
1: yeah, right. yeah, Yeah, Something like that. So, no, because
0: I remember we would go to see Young Sav and, and, and Stevo uh, at
1: yeah. uh, Def and Jam. And they were working Shauna's yeah. project. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So
2: it's like five, six, yeah. Did you meet Ludacris? Did you meet... Yeah, but it. I was the hype man. Yeah, yeah. Not really like that. Like, no I, one gave me. Yeah. Titty boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was yeah, gonna, yeah. gonna say, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, but it wasn't
1: like I twenty. Yeah, yeah, like, it like I-20, a, yeah. It wasn't yeah. like right. Did you see Ludacris and Crash? No. <laughs> <laughs> it, I
2: wasn't. I wasn't on the radar like so, that.
1: Okay,
0: you're you're in a life that is sort of split at that time. You got your music on one hand, mm-hmm. and you're in the streets on the other. Mm-hmm. Like, like, how do you sort of see those things? Did you see them as separate? Or did you see them where it's like, that money's going to get me my music career now? Nah,
2: it was just all music. And um, I just started... We we were trapping. And then that situation with Shauna fizzled out on her own personal things. You know what I'm saying? Like, she started having her problems with DTP, and Mm -hmm. that stopped happening. And then it just turned into, man... It's time to get it, like by any means necessary. So I started creating, I started working. The same person I was trapping with, who was from Los Angeles, turned into being my manager at that time, and um, I moved back to LA.
1: I do want to, to stay on the the drug thing for a second. What do you think that being a drug dealer or being in the streets or what did that teach you? Did you learn anything from that, or no, or was it just like?
2: It was just a way, a means to get to it. It wasn't really like I was in it, like I was uh, super committed or nothing like that. It was just like, yo, like, I like this lifestyle. I wanna look like this. I wanna dress like this. I wanna buy this. I wanna do that. So, like, it was just a part of coming up with the territory.
1: Yeah, but nobody casually says I'm gonna start selling crack.
2: That was because I was trying to fit in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, everybody else I knew that was around me was spitting rocks out their mouth, and you know what I'm saying, and doing that shit. So it's like, damn, shorty, you ain't got yours, you know? Like, it, it, and it it's the most disgusting story ever told because it's like you could have been the kid that was w- with your your parents and your actual yep. family living, but it's kind of like the story that's always told, like, how you go against the grain, and, you know, it's just things that just happen for me.
0: So you go to L.A.? Yeah. And how does your music take hold out there?
2: Man, I go to L.A. Like I said, the guy I was trapping with, he became my manager. He was just a wee guy, and, like, that's crazy that your weed guy is like a serious like Seth Rogen movie. My weed guy becomes <laughs> my manager, and like from him being a, a man, my manager, he decided that as a weed man and how many connects he had from high end clientele, to chicks that he was gonna decide to be a club promoter. So he became a club promoter in Los Angeles, and um, he had me he had me living with him. And um, this is back in the days, like when people had beat CDs and things of that nature. I ended up finding a a couple beat CDs and meeting a guy by the name of JFK, which I haven't seen. Damn, I only know his name still. That is probably, he probably was like 10 years ago. Shout out to him. And Rob Holiday, who um, actually, um, I didn't know neither one of them. They both from Virginia. Rob is from Woodbridge, and JFK was from Richmond, Virginia. And they sent me, they beat CDs, and I got them. And um, I told them to drop out of high school and come move in, and let's go, let's start working. And they did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I had enough juice at that point to be like, "Yo, I, I did some shit with uh, with Eve, or something like that." <laughs> like, Yo, drop out, man. Come Yo. on. So, so, the, did they fly out? Did they drive out? Um, damn. I think Rob. I'll never forget i think jfk bought his own ticket and rob got his own ticket the minute i, I met rob rob had like he was like a hundred pounds with like <laughs> seashells on his neck like super surfer dude like yeah. bro yeah. <laughs> like, weird like kind of like a different guy and guy than what the beats uh said they meant and we all moved into a um like condo together so what are some of the first beats you heard from them that really like had an impact on you damn, it's just probably shit that was on my demo or just, like, scratch-ass songs that (laughs) we did from from the jump. Like, but they had it. Like, this is back samples, you know what I'm saying? Like, things of that nature. It was crazy. And you guys just recorded and recorded and recorded? Yeah. Well, actually, more so, we didn't have a mic at the condo, so it was more so mainly constructed of just, like, making beats and, like, watching them on FL and me learning how, like... Damn! Like this is how you make a song, and this is like at the point when I was actually programming shit and doing all this other stuff, or whatever. Which I don't have the fucking mental capacity to wait <laughs> and do all that shit no more. But fucking, um, it was, it was just like three guys with a dream. That's what I, I could compare it to, and that was the birth of it, and damn it does ask me another question leading up to it because i'm gonna tell you the rest of the story too
1: hey gang (laughs) it's jeff and eric here (laughs) hit make is not here right now (laughs) i just want to let you guys in on a little secret we've got a newsletter going on you can go to itsthereal.com and sign up for that where editthrough.com there's a whole button dedicated to our newsletter but Jeff why would people do that they could just listen to the podcast we'll give you money oh okay we'll give you money if you sign up for the newsletter
0: well also by the way we're gonna give exclusives out through that newsletter so if you want to waste more time than just a waste of time Go to itsthereal.com right now and sign up for that It's The Real email newsletter. It is going to be well worth your time and your efforts, And you get money. And, <laughs> and Jeff is making promises that we definitely can't keep because we have new rent to pay at our new apartment. Yeah. And now back
1: to Hitmaker. Get that shmoney. <laughs>
2: so who starts paying attention to you? So from there within me being Shauna's hype man I ended up meeting John Monopoly of course mm-hmm. and I met a young guy by the name of Billy J who um was their assistant at the time Yeah, John and um shouts to Billy J yeah, yeah shout out to Billy I was just with Billy last night and um Billy J has the bright idea that he thinks that he can get me a deal of being around John Monopoly and meeting these execs and being up under him so the guy that I was trapping and um selling weed with or whatever, um, I end up stealing his credit card and booking Billy Jay a flight to Los Angeles so he can come meet us. Way, it's so funny because I was like, I was gonna ask if you were like if this is the first time you were a good kid and then it's like, nope. Yeah. I ended up stealing his credit card and um flying Billy J to Los Angeles. And I flew him to Los Angeles and he meets all of us. He meets Rob Holiday. He meets the whole crew or whatever and we have these records. I'll never forget it. I was the creation of the beat started Rob Holiday had got his own condo at the time like this it spread out and like um we created this beat sexy lady my first song at his at his condo and um from there the guy that I was trapping with the nameless guy who was my manager at the time he um he built a mix, makeshift studio in his in his house like he had like a pool house now. Like he was he was getting his weight up a little bit. So we had a pool house and we made a makeshift studio. And um I recorded the song Sexy Lady myself personally. I recorded it. My parts, junior parts. Like I would press record and, and then, then run, run to the, the mic and do all that shit. And we did a two track of the record and no no cap, no loud, nothing. There's no mix or nothing on that record. It's the same one that's two track that we did from the jump. That shit just hit like it hit? I don't know. It was just something meant to happen. Like, the last thing I remember about the com- completion of that record was us, because um, it was already, Rob already had the the samples from Diamonds Are Forever. So, he already had it in the beat section, but I was like, no, because Kanye, Kanye had dropped down. I'm like, no, take the intro and start it off. Pitch it a different way. To and then, shit, that was what it was. Yo so Billy J promises you that he can get you signed
0: mm-hmm. you flew him out there mm-hmm. he hears that song and mm-hmm. what does he do with it he go crazy so
2: <laughs> yeah. but we he met my, my, my manager they became cool they started a bond Everybody found my manager, of course, found out I stole his credit card to bring him out there. And then it, it made sense. Everybody was happy or whatever. Yeah. And we, we became a family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. upon him being a promoter, I have this song, Sexy Lady, now that we all love and we think is amazing. So now we go to the club. It was called um, Area at the time. It was right on sunset. And now, so I was. <laughs> we go to the club every night. Shout out to my dog, DJ Echo, who was a um, DJ out there. And I would literally be, like, in a chinchilla in L.A., like, performing from the DJ booth every night. Sexy lady. Did you bring the CD with you, like, the instrumental? Yep. And, yep. But Eric, the DJ Echo ended up liking the record, too. And him and my, that manager at the time, had a relationship. So he held it down. I don't know what their relationship was, but, like, he was a promoter. He had all the most pop and shit or whatever. And, like, I was just going to the clubs, beating the clubs down.
0: Yo, that's such a different time, by the way. Yeah. Like, like where it goes from the club to radio to national radio and everything. Yes. So, did it go that route? Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, literally, DJ Echo was also a mix show DJ at Power 106. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... He brings me, inevitably, he brings me to a mix show meeting, a mixer meeting for their company at Power One Hundred Six to play my record. I played the record. I think I cried in there. I told them my life story, like how we talking right now, like yo, this is meant for me, blah, blah, blah. and like they took it serious. And then you looked up, and it was just like new at two, Youngberg, yo, sexy lady. Then it was like, okay, that's happening, and I'm still going to the club. And then it was like, hey. You're in light rotation. It's like, all right, cool. Then you look up three months later and it's the number one song in L.A. I don't have a record deal. I don't have nothing. Sexy Lady is the number one song on Power 106.
0: Yo, was there ever a point, even to that point right there, was there mm-hmm. ever a moment, a, a time period where you thought back on like everything you dealt with and and the highs and the lows and mm-hmm. thought, I can't
2: believe I bounced back? I ain't really look at it like that. I think that right now in my career, like after being famous and looking at shit that's going on, I could say I bounced back. But I didn't even look at it like I just felt like I was just going. You You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it it, it, it didn't seem like I took a real L yet. Like it it seemed like I had some peaks and valleys. Man, maybe it should have happened, but I never really looked at it like that, especially at that point when fucking i just told y'all i went and pressed three and spacebar and ran to the fucking mic and then yeah. went back and, then, and like and this song is now becoming the biggest hit in la like it, it was hands down the biggest hit in la Ain't, can't nobody say nothing it wasn't who do you who do you meet based off of that what meetings did you take billy j reached out to epic records and was calling for some other anr that actually was fired i forget his name and he ended up talking to a young white woman shout out to her katie welly who was the keith nafterly's assistant at that point and katie he was like yo i'm billy i was looking for such and such but i, I got these artists young berg he got the song sexy lady and she, i guess she was like i know that song i've heard it and they brought us to see keith nafterly wow and- wow <laughs> <laughs> And that's where you sign. Yep. I met Keith and like I had my whole thing. I had my whole label, JFK and Rob Holiday were my producers. Junior, who sang Sexy Lady, was my artist, and we had Junior I had Junior's album done and all that, and they signed us as a whole collective.
1: Who was better uh to their artist, DMX to you or you to Junior? <laughs>
2: I, I, it depends on what <laughs> yeah, shoes yeah. you're in. You know, like, did you give Junior a dog? <laughs> no, Junior did me dirty. Actually, I was a better a, a boss to uh, Junior than that. So Junior was a part of our crew. And um, at that point, damn, June, I'm telling these stories. And I don't even talk to Junior. You know, I ain't talked to him in years, whatever. But um, he became to, to smell himself and think that, you know, because that was such a powerful hook. Right. But he was like... I'm really they don't really give a fuck about what verses, say. yeah say yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I'm really the catalyst of this song. And mind you, we're all young. We're teenagers, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like and um let me t- the, the fucked up shit. Um Junior went and signed his own solo deal with Epic Records without me being involved and I told them in I the wanted the same building? Yep, and I told them I wanted four hundred wait, I told them two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for his songs and they didn't they didn't pay me for the songs and they let him go work with a whole bunch of people and then dropped them.
1: Well, at least they let him record with everybody else. <laughs>
2: this shit is cutthroat, bro. I'm telling yeah. you. But,
1: but meanwhile,
2: <laughs> meanwhile, young
1: Young Berg has a single that's out there and popping. Flourishing. What we, is it like for you the first time you hear it out, not by you, like you know, uh, for actually performing it?
2: It wasn't. It was zero to sixty. It was like, yo, okay, you got a deal. Now you're on a screen tour. <laughs> oh, you actually went <laughs> yeah, on the screen tour <laughs> with you <the> guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it, was like, it, it wasn't like, no, this is a different screen tour. This is the oh, Young yeah. Jock T-Pain scream oh, tour. Oh, like, shit. Okay. This is after he evolved and Michael Martin, uh Jermaine's pops yeah, 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 to yeah, move yeah, on yeah. with the brand. So it was 2007.
0: So from there, you're doing radio runs. Yeah, You're course. doing uh, 106 in Park. I'm everywhere.
1: Uh, was TRL still on hot
2: happening? I'm number one on both of them. Yeah. How
1: much mileage did that chinchilla coat get?
2: <laughs> yeah, dog. I had to put that motherfucker <laughs> up at one point, man. For <laughs> real, for real. Because I was in a club every night with that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But because it, it was like the attention I would get from the chinchilla, I was wondering like looking back in hindsight, I thought that people were just like, Oh, he's balling, but I was thinking now I'm like, Nigga, it's LA, it's hot as hell. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yo, they're looking at me like, Why the fuck does this little <laughs> four foot four or five foot old <laughs> guy have a chinchilla on? Like what the fuck? Sunglasses, everything? Yeah, the yeah. whole the whole spiel.
0: Um, when did you meet Ray J
2: for the first time? Oh wow. Hmm. How many pools did he have? <laughs> no, zero. <laughs> Indoor and outdoor? He was yeah. he was Brandy Brother at the time. Yeah. And like yeah. he was a legend to me in my eyes. Like a legend, cause like just his 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 hit list was crazy. Like I was like, dog, I want to knock down. Like this nigga's <laughs> knocking down everything. He's a fucking legend. So I actually dropped an EP first before I dropped my album on Epic. And I actually requested him personally to be on the song. Wow.
0: Without meeting how, him, no,
2: yeah, and he came to the studio, and this is back in the day when um, these these were ecstasy days. This mm-hmm. is when ecstasy was at its all time peak. So like, he was on it and shit. Like he came, he did a little verse for me on my EP, and then shit that we became friends. Can mm-hmm. you talk about um the first time you met Shaquille O'Neal? Oh yeah, At the um sexy Cannot video shoot. We were there and um. I didn't meet him actually at the shoot. He actually um, bailed me out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, 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 no, but this, it, it wasn't like I was doing anything wrong. Like, so we're on set. We have police that are like looking out for us that are basically police, whatever. And me and Ray J were smoking a blunt in a Lamborghini on the first, like, shot of the day. And, um, I smoked. I throwed the, the roach out of the car and, um, the police came and picked it up, smelled it, it, smelled like weed. They locked me up before the first scene of the uh. whole day. And I went to jail. And, like, I was in, like, Day County Jail, Miami or whatever. And then Shaq came to built <laughs> And somehow we finished that video and that all ended up working out. Thanks, thanks, Shaq. <laughs> you yeah. Know, so.
1: <laughs> yo, you need to get some cops, like, DMX had. <laughs> yo, that,
2: yo, they were really the truth, yo, for real. Everybody need cops like DMX. Yo. <laughs> You're out of here. Yeah. You're feeling yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm... I'm Beyond, <laughs> <laughs> what was that? What was that first show in
2: in Chicago like? As young Berg, it was crazy. It was unfucking real. Like just to see shit come full circle, but it was also like weird because like when I became famous, like my mom became like like trying to be in my life again, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? After she didn't want me to do music and after I went to that that facility or whatever. So it was weird. It was it was weird times. Chicago wasn't really a good time for me. It was like cuz you know how like people would tell you like, "Boy, you ain't never going to be shit you doing this." You you know? And then like everybody like be, you become a star and everybody's sucking your dick It's Man. ridiculous. Like it's like I almost wanted my mom just to be my mom and not like look at me like Youngberg at that time.
0: Given given your your star status mm-hmm. at that point and you're feeling yourself, did you run into more
2: people who liked you or people who weren't fans of you for no reason? Mm, that was cool. Yeah, it was a cool time. I mean, as far as like any trials, a lot of things didn't happen. Like up until then, like meeting Ray J up until that time was cool. And then um, I'll never forget um. I had this song, "The Business," like it was already queued up. It was like, "Yo, this is gonna be my next single, this is my hit." I was dating the girl that was singing on the song, whatever. Again, like, uh, you know, my uh, God, follow that's your rules. Never yeah, do yeah, this yeah. shit. Yeah. in my in my grown life, I'm never doing it. Bird so, did it, so you guys don't yeah, have to do it. Exactly. Yo, so um, I had this song teed up, and I never forget um, Charlie Walk, who was the, the guy, and he was the Craig Calvin of Epic Records at the time. They called me and was like, um, There's this sexy, can I... Semi-sexy, can I? Yeah. Hated this shit. But guess what? (laughs) Yo, I'll never forget. Like, I don't know what Charlie... Charlie must have, like, smoked a good blunt or something (laughs) like that, bro. I walked in the office and, like... It was like, he was, and on top of a grand piano, like, dancing, like, this is going to be your next hit. This is going to be your biggest hit of your whole career. I'm like, I hate this shit. I don't want to, <laughs> I'm going to be the sexiest motherfucker in America. Sexy lady, sexy can I, who the fuck am I, right said Fred? What the fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm too sexy, like, what the fuck? Like, what's the name of my album? The sexiest nigga alive? And he like, no, listen to me. This is going to be the biggest record of your career. And shit, till to the day is the biggest record of mine. It's like 10 million.
1: Yo, by the way. Sexiest Dude would have been the best title. Yo, oh, no. oh as yeah. album title? Yeah. Yo, if every
2: single song yeah. had sexy in it? Yeah. But you got to understand Would you cool. have done it if
0: Shauna mentioned it to you?
2: Hell <laughs> no, the cloth I'm cut from, I'm yeah. from a DMX cloth. I so know. I'm like, yo, it's big. I'm, I'm way more. Right. I, I felt like, yo, like they're trying to just make me somebody that it seems like the AR put together. Let's go get a cute little kid, right. dress him up and yeah. give him a, be flashy. But it's and... like, I produced and wrote all my songs a lot of people don't understand that even when they think of me now as hitmaker, like I literally produced and wrote every song on my album so back then, did you have control of all your publishing? Yeah. You had all your paperwork I all set? I was lit. I was yeah. <laughs> I was good. Everything was lit. Did you have a lot of jewelry back then? The biggest yeah. jewelry of them all. And the crazy thing is, damn, like, that's what we was talking about earlier off camera, like, a lot of people. And I hate to even, like, bring up this shit because everybody I talk about, but I don't talk about it rarely. But, um, like, even what happened with me with that Transformer chain shit mm-hmm. when I was, like, a, a, a younger guy or whatever, like, that ain't have shit to do with me. I ain't no trick, trick. I don't know none of them people. This shit is so crazy. I had the number one record in the country, and like um, the business was number one. And um, I w- you got to remember at that time, Koch Records was doing was doing radio promo for D and Shadow were doing radio yeah. for um Epic Records. They did me, they did Sean Kingston, they did all these different people. So like they had reached out to me and was like um Trick Trick wants you to host a a party or something like that, and like. I was like, nah, because, you know, you hear the stories. And then, like, one of the guys that I was with, one of my closest guys, his cousin was Trick Trick. And they his cousin was, it, wait, his cousin's with Trick Trick. Yeah. But they fell out, and it was a problem. And he was around me 24-7. So, I mean, shit, like, I got off the jet in Detroit. And, um.
1: It's a no-fly zone.
2: <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. But, and then, like, so I went. And um, I had security. I had U.S. Marshals with me. Like, I was off a of jet. Like, I was super security up. And we go to, my, my bro called me, like, come to the club. It wound up being the same club that Trick Trick wanted me to host. And um, I went inside the club, and uh, I was on a mic, and then I was, like, they were, like, shouting me out crazy. So I went inside the um, the back room where the manager is at, and I'm, like, um, I would like a play on the bottles. Like, I'll pay, but, like, if we going to, shout me out and I'm going to do the whole song and dance. Like, 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 look out a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. And he was like, my partner Trick Trick saying, no play for you niggas on the bottles. And I'm like... (laughs)
1: in Detroit. I'm yeah. like yo yeah, no yeah,
2: yeah. so I'm walking out the club and no lie like I'm a grown ass man That's 10 years later like the whole security of the club beat me up in the club like nobody touched me like people with security on their, the same people that let us in the back of the club and it's so fucked up when I look back in the hindsight because we had guns on us and I had armed security but they was like you can't bring no security, no pistols in the club, and was like police out front of the club too. And the, and the guy that I was with, the U.S. Marshal, he was like, "Man, we we thirty deep. We, I'm, mean, ain't trying to hurt nobody, man." I put the pistol back on the um, tour bus or whatever. He put it back on there, and they and the security beat me up. It was a setup. They beat me up there in the club. And it's they, fucked they up. Like, yeah, and that's how I went. Was that your first time getting like that beaten up? It was. Um, Nah, I mean I mean shit, it, it wasn't really that. It was just more so it was a devastation of being a part of something that really didn't have anything to do with me. Did yeah. you
0: did you understand I mean that's like MySpace days, that's that's before Twitter, that's before Instagram, it's before like social media like we know it mm-hmm. today. Did you understand what the internet had to say no, about that?
2: No, that was the beginning. It didn't reach you. Yeah, yeah like YouTube was just created yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't it it didn't it, I didn't know what the effect of it would, would be, you know? Yeah. Like, per se, yeah.
1: Your chain, the, the Transformers chain, mm-hmm. got passed around to everywhere. Mm-hmm. At what point were you just like, like, you didn't care about the first time, Mm-mm. but you then started to see it like every other place it went to?
2: I ain't seen none of that shit. I ain't paying that shit no attention. It was just like, over for me, whatever. Yeah. You took your lumps. Yeah. And you kept going. Yeah. Um had that first album do for you. It did really well for me and then like I was happy about the the, the success of it, but I started to realize the music business even more cuz yeah, I'm a successful artist. I'm selling millions of singles and this is back when albums really didn't matter. Like if you push like 10 million ringtones or something like that, nigga, it didn't even matter if you had no platinum album, but it was kind of like I got to see, like, the, the the building started to manipulate me from Billy. Like, I had my whole crew, who was my managers, who I started with, and they started to just, like, gesture me with Graspy and Green on the other side. And um, I fell for it. Which meant what? Which meant I fired Billy. I fired everybody I came up with. And I hired John... Chipes and Jim McDaniels and I became my manager. And what did that do for your career? Nothing. It was the worst decision I ever made. Not because they're bad people, but at the same token, you always want to stick close to the people that really care about you. I was just another client on their list. They weren't they weren't from the bottom with me. Like they didn't develop this dream with me. It was just like, oh, we got Sean Kingston and now we got Young Berg and They was pretty much housing the Epic Records, Urban. You know what I'm saying? This before Epic even had an Urban. It was just us and pocket full of sunshine or whoever. These, you know what I'm saying? What's that other girl? And God, it was one other girl that was just like a random white girl act that 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 was on the record. You know that was on Natalie. Natalie. (laughs) 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 So like, it wasn't. It's just it was. It was very fresh.
0: Yeah. So they're not really advocating for you and what can you do for yourself at that point
2: um i worked and then um i put out the business the business came and then that did well really well for me was like my most famous joint for people that they love the most and um that went and um after that it was kind of like charlie's like yo come to the office i need to see you and um I'm like, okay, this record's done really well. Sexy Can is done really well. And Charlie sits me down in Epic Records um, in his office, and he says, um, I'm leaving the company. Some things are changing, but I know that you're going to be right, and you're going to be fine because you know Melody. And I'm like, what the fuck is you talking about? <laughs> like he like, it just is what it is. Was Melody the white girl that was signed <laughs> no. no. Yeah. And it, it, he was like, it is what it is," and they dropped me. And I'm not really dropped, like they. You know how one regime goes? They, yeah, 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 they let once they, they let so, me yeah. go. It's and like then, a college coach, like going yeah, to another school and he's yeah, like, like sorry, you, know? sweet, you they, signed up here. And clean. so,
1: what's going through your head
2: right now? Man, it's, I'm still rich, and um, that's cool. Yeah, but you don't have anything like. I'm. I, I got cloud. I got. I'm still me. Like I dive into mixtapes and I'm just like getting getting high. Like doing ecstasy with all my my guys and ecstasy was very big. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. In, in, a, in a mansion, just making mixtapes and spending prop excess of forty thousand dollars, like overhead of forty to forty five thousand dollars a
0: month. With your same set of producers or now? Mm-hmm.
2: JFK had left at that point, and Rob Holiday stayed with me. It wasn't until. Um, we went to New York when Rob Holiday really left me. He met Puff Daddy, and Puff stole him away from me.
0: And did you think that, like, uh, mixtapes were the way to go? Like, did you know the whole circuit? Did you know what the internet meant at that
2: point? Yeah, I we think we were, the, we were the first ones. It was, um, shout out to Ill Will and um, DJ Rockstar, who started Hot New, Hi- New Hip Hop or whatever right, right, or what right, that right. was at the time. And um, they were doing mixtapes for everybody.
0: And what was the demand for you out in, like, the tour circuit?
2: It was it was still great. I was still getting money and I was still doing me and um, I, who, the artist known as Kid Ink right now, who was star to me became a producer to me and like, that's how he met Ill Will and that's how they formed that whole thing just from us making mixtapes.
0: So, yeah. did you think that there was another label situation on the horizon at that point?
2: Um, mm. I didn't know. Like, I was just working just tunnel vision trying to make it happen and like, understand exactly how I could land on my feet and still be like, really like focused on on, on what's going on and and delve into real life and deal with all these different issues about having overhead and spending money. And like, where does it go from there?
0: Yeah. So, and we've talked to a whole bunch of people who have been let go, Mm -hmm. um, Mike Posner, yep. we talked uh Asher Roth, yep. you know, Maino, different people who have, like, mm-hmm. been through the ringer. Mm-hmm. Who was around you during that time that you could really count on that, like, meant
2: something to you? Nobody. Ain't nobody around you when you got money and you, you, you like, tweaked out, like, and having a, a good time 24-7. It's just a nonstop party. Like, so who's behind a wake-up call? Damn. I think finally... I decided there was a guy by the name of Brian McKinney who was an NFL player who played for the Vikings, and he um, was starting his own record label at the time, and he decided, like, he found out that I was, like, writing records and whatever and, like, heard some of my stuff and thought it was dope and told me – I'll come move you to Miami and pay for your whole living setup if you just work with my artist that I'm trying to develop on a new situation. So I looked at it like, damn, I'm spending all this money. This is a way for me to not stop spending and maybe catch a fresh start. And then at that point, I moved to Miami.
1: Which is where Wikipedia picks up. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you're from there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I I moved to Miami. And what's that like down there?
1: How was the ecstasy?
2: Yeah. No more. <laughs> yeah. Um So you got cleaned up. It wasn't really like a clean up bath and you gotta understand, like, this is just something we were just doing just yeah, to yeah. be creative. It wasn't really like a super like somebody <laughs> gotta go to rehab type of thing. It was just like fun. Like I was my output on that shit like I was making like 25 songs a night like I was never going to sleep well yeah I was just gonna say yeah Yeah. so when you when you're working yeah Yeah. when you're working like that it at at that point you don't look at it as advice because like I'm doing this shit like, So who's God, down
0: it in, What What year is this Like
2: who's Who's down in Miami At this point At that point um, Scott Storch He was He was in that era He was about He was dialing out though At that point But like I really was just involved In everything To deal with B-Mac and them situation B-Major Um, It was me A lady by the name Of Guyana And um Freddie P who was on Making a Band was one of his artists. Whoa. Pleasure P was his artist. Anybody with P, yeah. <laughs> and, and then um Jordan Hollywood, who's now signing QC, he was also his artist. That's wow. where I met him at. Wow. Mm-hmm. And did you turn out stuff that you liked? We did yeah, we did good we did good work. And um that what really molded me into a producer and writer because like I was able to work with all these different people. And um from there I went to the studio one day with Jordan Hollywood, and I made this record, and um, it's called Double Cup. It turned into being DJ Infamous' song Double Cup with two, with um, my featuring myself, Young Jeezy, um, who, who else is on that? Ludacris and Juicy J. Wow! And um, that was the first time I ever said hitmaker on anything. Where'd that come from? I don't know. Just. Mm-hmm. You mean hitmaker? Yeah, I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like literally, like I wish that it was a story for me to be like, yo, like I was reading, and it's so dope because something happened and this happened, and I turned into hitmaker. Like I said it once, and then I was like, wait, I should keep saying that.
0: Well, did you feel like there had to be a separation between Youngberg and whoever this new producer inside
2: you was? Yeah. I felt like because um, the music I was making was still good, it was just that it was such a persona and a stigma with that name and so much had happened. And it's not really, it wasn't my, it was my fault, of course, but being me, but at the same token, this was the beginning of internet craze. So, like, I was, like, some of the first L's taken publicly, you know what I'm saying? And that left a taste in people's mouth. Like, it's, it's something to go with it. So I had to, like... Re- regroup.
0: Well what do you think like really like put that taste in people's mouth?
2: I just think that when you realize like when you see somebody okay right now I could compare it to this you see the shit that Soldier Boy is doing right now we're never gonna forget that. You're always gonna say "Tiger." it don't matter if something else happened right there so whether it be me with that chain incident or whatever it's like it's gonna live on forever because of now how viral shit is and I was the first shit that was really popping off like that, where people were getting clout for doing. Like, that's when the times really were changing. Like, because it wasn't really about that. At that point, it was like, if I shoot you, I'm a to rob you. I ain't gonna tell you about it. Then the internet came on. It was like, ha ah, ha ha, look at me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that became the clout chasing began at that point.
1: Yeah, you were the first person I saw on like World Star that, like.
2: Then was the, yeah, then was the, then was the like first moment. Like, World Star just got popping yeah. Um.
1: Actually, our you know how we started off uh, with the RAKAs mm-hmm. that's from a video that, that someone
0: from your team after your chain got mm-hmm. stolen Went on a MySpace video player and was like, "Yo, what up? It's whatever the person's name is, aka this, aka that." And you can find me at www. They never said the three Ws. It's www.myspace.com/slash/whatever. And we were like, "Well, we need to do a video just like that for Jeff getting his chain snatched here on the Upper West Side." God bless y'all. And huh? the and the video the video bless video video, video
2: did very well. You flourish. And here we yeah. are. <laughs> thank you. Ten years yeah, later. Exactly. Well.
1: That's um, why we brought you up here, to yeah. get the, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, the cosign. In that
0: in that period where you're starting to produce mm-hmm. and you are a hit maker, mm-hmm. at least
2: to yourself, mm-hmm. who do you give your beats to, or is it just to the camp? So, um, I don't... I don't make beats. Like that's what a lot of people think that I make beats. I don't make beats. Oh, you I sound d-
1: like one of those rappers who says I'm not a rapper. Yeah, <laughs> no, no,
2: I don't like. No, it's more so like, <laughs> oh, God makes them and gifts them to you. Not no, I'm no, pu- i He's a, the hit you're, maker. You're like enough. Puff. I'm the Puff Daddy of our generation. But so you steal actually, Rob Holiday. No, I, I actually write the songs. I actually do it though. But at the same token, it's like I my gift. I think that's incredible. Is that um I just know how to make a hit. So if I can take your record, rearrange your record, rearrange your beat, if you send me a beat and you know, I rearrange it, throw this, do this, do that, swing this, send me, you know what I'm saying? Different mutes and automations and all that other shit. And then I write the top line around it and I make it a hit record. I write it, I place it, I get the artists on it, I mix it or whatever. Like, I'm just as involved as you as a record, period. So I just figured out where you got the name from. What? You make hit. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, like I began, I don't know, like I, I started to take myself serious and then um I worked with a girl in Miami named Mia Ray, who was like my next casher who sang the business or whatever. And like we made a whole project together and that really like helped me think about like damn, I'm about to be something great. Like I know how to make and, and like the greatest gift is when people believe in you. Like, when somebody believes in you to, like, gives their whole all to you. Like, I don't care what you write me, just as long as I sing it, like, whatever. So, that allowed me to believe in myself even more. I moved to Atlanta, and I'm miserable. This is after the Brian McKinney thing folds and everything. What makes Atlanta miserable? I'm just not clicky. I hate clubbing. I don't go to clubs. I don't do anything of that nature. So, I started working, you know. I just... We're writing records. Now, this is like when i be in a studio with like me, Metro. Like, this is Metro. Um, what's future? Um, karate Chop, like around mm-hmm. that era. Mm-hmm. Like when yeah. that first dropped or whatever. And Metro starting to get a little wave. And like, we all around each other. And I'm still young Berg Like, people knew me. And like, we had little vibes or whatever. And um, I ended up writing this record at Mike Karen's studio with Shasha Jones. Called The One, and I'm like, yo, this is gonna be great. And it ended up being Tamar Braxton's record. Wow. And um, that's how I got my first published, my next publishing deal with Mike Karen, and my life started to evolve from there.
0: Um, Did you make sure to charge Epic out the ass for that one? I think I did. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but me at the time, like my first placement, I'm like, oh, I want 20,000. They gave me 20 grand. I'm like, well, shit. Yeah. Like,
0: Obviously, it, it feels great to get that Tamar record off. How do you follow it up?
2: I moved to L.A. again. And at that point, like, I was close with Vincent Herbert and, like, I thought he was going to be the next Troy Carter to my life and change my life because Vince, at that point, when Tamar, first thing was happening, like, he was like, I forget, he was the head of, like, Interscope at the time or something like that. I'm like, yo, he's about to change my fucking life. So, I moved back to LA.
0: Did you know that Vince and Troy would later become business partners?
2: <laughs> this is around that time. Yeah, yeah. This is like they, this is around the time like yeah. they they were already in the, in a mix. So um, it was it was it was it was weird because that didn't pan out. And then shit, I was just like back like living in LA, like having to figure it out. Like, oh, what's up? <laughs> are you are you miserable out in LA? I'm signing Mike Karen. I'm going to APG Studios and. Uh, I'm rewriting songs 27 times, and none of them are being placed, and I'm learning.
0: Yeah, yeah. I
2: was definitely miserable still. I wasn't, like, L.A. and Atlanta is two different sure. vibes. Yeah, 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 It wasn't as bad as Atlanta, but <laughs> it was just like, all right, I got a couple dollars. I think Mike Karen gave me, like, $30,000 for my first publishing deal. Wow. And, like, I just, that was the beginning.
1: What was something that made you happy when you were in L.A., though?
2: Studio. Being able to go... And Work at Mike's spot, you know what I'm saying, and, and having an opportunity and, and having a manager and have people believe in me. Tiffany J became my manager at the time, and um,
1: no relation to Billy, right? No, no relation <laughs> to Billy, yeah. and um,
2: just having someone believe in me and thinking that things were possible, and I just started working for them.
0: Who were some of the early placements that you got that really like meant something, whether they were like
2: big placements or not? Mm, probably like. Two Chains and Kevin Gates, mm. I feel like probably, K. Michelle stuff. And those were like the humble beginnings of just like, all right, this shit is starting to turn into something. Like, maybe I do got it. Maybe I can control the room. Cause a lot of people, like, I've seen, some of the best producers now in my life as a r or whatever they can't hold the room mm-hmm. they don't know what to say when to say it they don't know how to carry themselves i've seen somebody with a number one record just be like coy quiet not be able to be in an interview with you guys yeah. not be able to deal with y'all shit how you talking about the chain all like and all this other shit yeah. and not be able to deal with it and like be able to navigate through it so it's like meanwhile
0: you're that guy who went to power 106 for that mixer mm-hmm and captivated the whole room Mm -hmm. so it's within you exactly so now you as a producer Mm -hmm. can go and take a room down and just
2: yeah and then from there i think i did king louis featuring juicy j and Pusha T. my Mm -hmm. host they do drugs yes (laughs) yeah no so that's 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 when we first heard of
0: you coming on the scene again and we're like no, like yeah. like Berg.
2: That's producing doing, now. That's me doing the hook on the whole song and all that. That's in Screw. I, that's me doing the whole thing. That
0: song is still so good. Yeah, it's still still good, got it yeah. on my iTunes. They'll never take it away from me. It's a great song. And and by the way, we did a top ten list whenever that was. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my favorite records. Yeah, it, it might have been yours too. 14, Some, something. Yeah, that's correct Best songs of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did it mean something for you that that was a Chicago artist? No. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> I was I mean, like I heard him. Before, also, by the way, another epic it. artist. Yeah, I was just trying to yeah, that's why I was like, holy shit, <laughs> I'm back working for epic you
2: know? <laughs> Oh my god. I was just trying to get a vibe off and like people to understand me. Like you gotta understand every record that you probably that oh, this is a fact. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, every record you ever heard me do is an idea that me and my team come up with collectively and then we give it to people. So like if you think of a big shine bounce back or something like that, like that's something that me and Jeremiah came up with, and we I rented this big crazy house with no furniture and like was trying to hype myself up while Mike, I was still dealing with Mike and like trying to pay the rent and do all this other stuff, or whatever. And like we came up with that song, and I thought it was trash. It was the last <laughs> song of the night. Like, that's some bullshit. And then come out. It changed me and Smash David' life at one time.
1: How does uh, Ty Dolla Sign come into your life?
2: Damn, Tiffany J used to manage Ty Dolla Sign. This one she managed me too, and um, she used to tell me like, "He doesn't, he doesn't like that I work with you," because <laughs> like Ty, this is like tooted and booted Ty. This is like chubby Ty yeah, before yeah, he got yeah, in yeah. shape and all that other yeah. shit. So, <laughs> yeah. um, fucking, um, I start working for Atlantic Records, and I become the guy. And shit, Todd pulls up on me and probably make 10 songs that night. And we've been brothers ever since. And we've never talked about the, like, any type of, you know what I'm saying, what we say with Tiffany. We might have glanced over really briefly, but I was just like, man, like, I just was active. I started working.
0: What are some songs that, like, you envisioned for an artist and they just didn't take it? Mm. You're like, no, this is really going to take you over the the top. No, because I make hits. Everyone's not giving us fucking hit. So you like, never had yeah. a record for someone and it's just like, all right, cool, I'll give it to that person instead?
2: I don't even feel like that. I feel like, man, these these my babies, they're going to find their way home. You know what I'm saying? They're going to find a home at the end of the day, regardless. It depends on just whatever it is.
0: So Ty Sign meant a lot too. Who are some of the other artists that like you can count on whenever you're in the studio session together?
2: Jeremiah changed my life, mm. like, hands down. Um, this is like around the time when I was. Um, on Love and Hip Hop and like Wild Out like cause at that time damn I did all I did like 7 songs on Nicki Minaj Pink Print and like I was working heavily with Nicki and um I was able to meet Jeremiah in that process and he took me on tour with him and this is like don't tell him Jeremiah's scorching hot and nobody would really be around me like that nobody would really fuck with me like Nicki and him were the first people to really bring me in and bring me close and um I was able to make hit records with them, and like they really changed my life. just working with them too at that time made people look at me differently when you when you gave Nikki seven records, mm-hmm. did you give them all at once or no. was that a process? I went to Mike Caron's studio, and I did a record, that, um, and I named it Nicki and Hitmaker. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to give Nicki Minaj a record. Now, randomly, I go to the studio, Glenwood Studio in Burbank, to see my friend Sounds, who's also a producer, who's done great things. And um, he's working with Esther Dean and her artist. She had an artist, Jasmine. I don't know what her name is. She was working with a younger female singer. And my friend who was with me at the time, my brother Doc, was like... Um, I think that's Nicki Minaj over there in the other room. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I just made this song, Nicki and Hitmaker, like the night before. And I told my friend, like, yo, go go tell her I got some records for her. And I guess he went over there like, yo, Berg said he got some records. And he told it to the security. And he came back and told me, like, Nicki security said give her 15 minutes. She going to let you in. come play some shit. I went. I played the Nicki and Hitmaker song. I played more songs. I played more songs. And the funny shit, she was like, oh. Um, I ain't gonna lie. I've been fucking with you ever since this. And she played the business. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, but now looking back on it, like... like get Charlie Walker yeah, on the phone, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. It's like, I was on fire and Nicki Minaj wasn't even a star. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So she probably was watching me on 106 and Park and seeing it and, and really did like the record. And from that day, I started working and me and her became the best of friends and i never left the studio crazy mm-hmm. um
0: how does it feel to have your relationship with kaiser all these years later now that you're at atlantic
2: yeah you know, i was just with Kais earlier and um it's amazing because he he understands the the cloth or the the, the the that we were cut from from that same dmx and era that i was saying about and um I think that it's just come full circle. Now I'm a boss. Now they made me a boss and that shit, you know what I'm saying? And um, it's just amazing what Atlantic Records does in general because they allow you to be yourself. They allow you to be creative. And um, they really like, they care, you know? So I really love Kyle man. He's a good guy, man.
1: Yeah. Have you played Monopoly
2: with... <laughs> I'm not doing that shit <laughs> No, no. I see Kaiser at uh, at, prom Joe's? One, at Prom 112 oh, yeah, 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 in South yeah, yeah, Hot, what's up, bro? Good. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, hey, cool. Hey, hey, see you later. You're not going over to Joe Button's from Monopoly night with uh, Kais no, and Irv
2: no, and Angie and everybody, yeah. Yo, I'm old. as I'm old. I'm not that old yet. I'm trying it's to stay in my lane, It's yo. not the club. It's not the club. I'm yeah. staying in my own lane.
1: You
2: know, know that me. Joe's a cheater when it comes to Monopoly. <laughs> yo, Joe is a cheater and everything. Man. Yeah. He's hilarious, yo.
0: So, what what got you through those those dark years knowing within yourself that you could be bigger than youngberg ever was knowing that you had more inside your tank and that
2: maybe people didn't see it but you did everything that i want any upcoming person to that really strives and really believes this shit not the girl that Think they watch Cardi B and now there's 18 rappers, there's the chicks and starlets that sending me a demo or like a voice note or something in my DM. It's kind of like, yo, like I had no choice. It was, it was this or nothing. So when you really like dedicate yourself and put yourself to that, it's this or nothing.
0: Have you run into Charlie Walk, DMX, of course. Jay Irving,
2: uh, Troy Carter? Yeah, um, I do business with Jay Irving right now. Troy Carter, I still look at him like a mentor. Charlie Walk, bef- I-, I spoke with him like probably a few months ago last year or whatever. And they all know I'm Hitmaker.
0: Who is the one person who came up to you and was
2: shocked that Youngberg was Hitmaker? Besides us, <laughs> not, not, I, don't, I don't know. Probably not in person, but you know, if I search Twitter right now, they're gonna be like, Are you fucking kidding me? Young yeah. Burgers Hitmaker? <laughs> like, what the fuck? They're like, yeah, it's me.
1: Um, I just looked on your discography because I was like, I don't want to miss anything. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't realize you were part of John by uh, Lil Wayne.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. That Yo. was one of my first placements. I actually discovered um, Ayo, the producer. And found him. He's a great guy. He does a lot of things with me now. He's done a lot of things on his own. They have their own thing going. He actually Grammy nominated. Shout out to them right now. They did the big and hair record on Cardi B's album. So, um, no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so uh, <laughs> I used to. I was like one of the first people of this too. Like not no Soldier Boy, but like I used to throw out. <laughs> my um my email on twitter and just like send me beats anybody that you know what i'm saying so with the little bit of clout that i had at youngberg i was able to meet a producer via email man and sign i signed him and he was my producer signing me and that's one of the many things we did in that moment
0: yo that john records hard yo know, that shit is still on <laughs> right now to this day what do you think your greatest ability is as a
2: producer just to be a gift to other people. Because like, when you're a producer, a real producer, you have to be selfless. You have to be all about the music, but you also have to be all about the people that you're creating with. So to me, it's more so being able to be a gift to others. Like I can invite three different people to just come in a room with me, and maybe, if we are lucky, we might catch a number one or... If we're not lucky Top 10 at least You know what I'm saying So And that creates Other revenue And other doors To open for other people So as a producer You just have to be selfless I feel like And just give yourself To the artist Because I dance on Both sides of the fence Because I've been an artist And then I know what it's like To want to work With a good producer As an artist But now I'm a producer And it's like I know what it's like to want to have a different perspective from an artist level as well, so it's kind of it's 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 interesting, but at the same token, it's just about being able to step back and just do what's best for the record.
1: And so, when you bring in those three people, mm-hmm. that's uh, Natalie, no,
2: that's Melody, no, no, and that's no, 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 right now, no, right now, it's more so like um, Smash David, um, OG Parker. Rob Holiday, still, I've resurrected Rob from wow. dead again. Um, Raquel Goldie, um, Drew Love from they, Chris Sean, who's my number one guy, shout out to PC, who's wrote everything in the world, me for. it's like, I got I got my own team.
1: Um, are you better in a team, or do you think that you're better, like, sometimes on your own?
2: Um, I'm best at a team right now. Um on my own, when I had to do everything on my own, I was amazing at doing it. But now it's like, do it alone for what? It doesn't, it's enough room for everybody to eat and for all of us to have a good time.
0: Who are some of the young kids that you're
2: excited for at Atlantic? Oh, man. All the YBNs. Bree Steves.
1: We're getting Cordae up here. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: um who else is amazing? I really love um IBJ. I just heard her stuff. Lon Ray just played me some of her stuff. Um everybody I'm working with, I'm working with all of them, so I don't want to overlook nobody and I say no words. I'm sorry. All of them. <laughs> and
0: and this was this was news but not news to us. Mm-hmm. You got an album coming. Yeah. And what does that album look like? What does it feel like?
1: How many Ed
2: Sheeran songs are there? <laughs> Eighty. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, this shit is hard. Um, I never imagined that I was gonna do an album again, like, I didn't think that it was possible. But once I became who I am right now, I guess it's possible. So, everybody's on it, just know, yeah, everybody's <laughs> on my album. And it's not a DJ, Khaled, like, it is a DJ Khaled ish producer album. I'm not, I'm probably gonna get it an eight and it, twelve off though, yeah, those yeah. Because I I redid the bit I did my own ten year challenge. I redid the business and flipped it like how I flip everybody else's records. Yo. I flip my own record, And so I'm doing my own ten year challenge on my own stuff. So. That's awesome. Yes, sir. Do you still have a chip on your shoulder? No, hell no. I work with people that diss me when I was Youngberg, like Gucci Man that had mad like Youngberg diss lit records, and I did tone it down with him and Chris Brown, and we're cool as cool as. Wait, band. why
0: did he diss you? Oh my God. I don't know.
2: He's he, It was that era. It's the old Gucci. I can't speak for the old Gucci.
0: Well, so what, like, how do you open yourself up to working with people like that? You just have to. It's business. Shit is business. Nothing's oh. personal. Nope. Do you hold any grudges about anybody?
2: Nah. That's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's the only way to really live, for real, for real. Because if you walk around holding grudges, that could hold you back from getting your own good experience off. So I don't ever want to, like, closed doors that can ultimately open money for me at the end of the day you know but you still speak your truth yeah
0: yeah i mean obviously listen to
2: you on this podcast yeah, like <laughs> I, don't, I don't care bro. right i'm me and i'm me like a lot of people in this podcast have been like what you talking about that shit <laughs> I, I would screen would have screened the podcast before i even came up <laughs> my manager said yo you could talk about i don't give a fuck i'm an open book bro
1: okay so then if we're being completely
2: honest. Oh shit! You all, you are you are, hey, yo, yeah. you are that I'm, guy, bro. Yo, yeah, yo. Yeah.
1: Why did you not escape the room? <laughs> yo, yo, t- yo who, whose fault was
2: it? Was it? I Joe's? told you I was with Natalie. I was trying to get some box, <laughs> and I was, yo, it wasn't working. Yo, I was distracted. I was trying to fucking court a woman and didn't work out for me. You ever get played by yo, a chick when you really think you got money? You got, like, I just, like, it was happening. To me a new town. She told
0: <laughs> oh my god, listen, um, <laughs> we, we told you this off mic, will tell you on mic too no one had a year like you had in 2018 no I'm one insulted. has no one has <laughs> no one that's, has that's
1: 2019 though no one yeah. has
0: no one has created a, a, a lane for themselves like you congratulations sure. on on your whole career your whole journey not just the hitmaker stuff but getting to this point because none of this happened without that first stuff. so congratulations for making it to this point I'm glad we linked up and, and thanks for coming through oh, thanks for Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste of Time with it's The Real. Jeff, if you want to find out more about us, I'm Eric, you're Jeff. Together, we have a new apartment. Jeff, if you want to find out more about this podcast, it's called A Waste of Time with it's The Real. If people want to find out more about what's going on with us, we are It's The Real. Where? Where? Can?
1: Ken, Ken. Hey. Hey. You can always go to itsthereal.com, I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L.com, no apostrophes, no spaces, new apartment, new newsletter, everything is happening at itsthereal.com. Make sure to sign up for that newsletter. There is a dedicated button. A lot of people have been wondering, how do I sign up for the newsletter? Just go to the website. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter and DM us over there. Let us know that you want to be on the newsletter. We'll put you on. Very easy process. You can always find all of our old episodes and our new ones. If you search for A Waste of Time with It's The Real or search for just It's The Real because a Waste of Time with It's The Real is a pretty long name. You can just go to iTunes, search on Spotify, search on SoundCloud, search on CastBox. Jeff, where are we on social media? Social media, we are at number one. <laughs> We are uh, on Twitter at It's The Real, Facebook at It's The Real, and Instagram at It's The Real. This is one of our favorite parts of the podcast
0: where we send out words, say, who wants to be shouted out? And we have a whole bunch of names, a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of fans who are very excited to hear their names. So,
1: Jeff, who we shouting out? Well, here's the thing. A bunch of these people I meant to shout out last time. So does this still count? And I promised them that I would. All right. I fucked up Do we get points taken away? How does this work? No, like, you know, know Be happy I'm just saying your name or whatever <laughs> Um, alright, so These are all people who signed up Because they They raided And they Subscribed to Two Jews and Two Black Dudes Our movie podcast Colox They did that on uh, iTunes So, here we go There is Devo1 Underscore Big shout out to Debo. Who's been so vocal in, our, in his support for us. I also want to shout out Gerald Simmons311. Shout out to Gerald. Who sent video proof of him subscribing to our podcast. It's big. I want to shout out Jake Queens from London. Shout out to everyone out there in London, but especially Jake Queens. Jake Cleans. I also want to shout out Shan22 from Sydney, Australia. Whoa. Shout out to Shan out there and across the world. Yeah, and she's been. Amazing, shout out to Champ. I also want to shout out AG. One and Alexander. Shout out to Alexander. World Traveler Alexander. I also want to shout out Corey Lavelle, Big Providence, Rhode Island. Big shout out to Corey. April's boy, I want to shout out the Prince Hakeem. Oh, shout out to Prince Hakeem from San Francisco, who also said we had to shout out his son, Tariq, aka the Crow God Jr. He said that people should listen to The Last Dragon review by Two Dudes and Two Black Dudes on iTunes. He said you'll probably get better at a couple people. <laughs> Which, gonna, yeah. which people? I don't know. You guys listen and tell us. Yeah. I also want to shout out Daniel Topoli Yes, big shout out to Daniel. From Sacramento. Marcus Strankowski from Akron. Yeah, shout out to Marcus. Who we got uh, breakfast or lunch with. One of the two. Maybe it was brunch actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, East Not Weast. All right, shout out to East Not Weast. And the Clocked In Podcast. I also want to shout out to Santos Cinemas. Big shout out to Santos Cinemas. That is the Desayuno know poppy. Uh, I also want to shout out Breedy, Morningstar, all the Morningstars, actually, and the Glens. All the Morningstars, all the Glens. Mimi Domingo, who signed up for our newsletter twice from the Philippines. Yo, shout out to Mimi, and we appreciate the fact that she spends her work days listening to A Waste of Time, but it's the real. Here's the thing about a couple of these names. Yeah. They signed up through the website. I don't know anything about them. So all I know is I have to pronounce their names correctly. So Jeremy Somers... Felipe Morgado and Eric Lauderman I also want to shout out Beatmaker Shout out to Beatmaker Lauren down there in I want to say Florida Yes sir Who says to shout him out And the one and only Chris Ox Keep your head up I hope that Chris Ox hasn't done anything bad That would get in trouble for shouting him out for (laughs) Right, no, but shout out to Chris Ox Shout out to Beatmaker And shout out to Hitmaker And also
0: Shout out to Mr. Break It Down Oh, well, big shout out to Mr. Break It Down. We Please, Mr. You.
1: Break It Down is my father. <laughs> we really
0: name. appreciate you rocking with us. Anything else, Jeff? No. All right, well, you know what time it is. As always, guys, not for real, for real. Game time, Hook. Huh? We'll see you guys next week. Brrr! <laughs>